I am your host, Darius Velasquez, and you're listening to The Melancholy Condition. Welcome to Season 2. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps that people like to listen? How do I make money from podcasts? The answer to every single one of these questions is pretty simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. And that means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. The reason why I love Anchor is just because it's easy. It's simple. It's on my phone. I don't use any exterior hardware. I don't got to do anything really, but just pick up my phone, open the Anchor app, press record, invite my guests, and boom, you have the melancholy condition. So if you want to start your podcast, do so today. Go to anchor.fm. How's it going? Hey, Patrick. Awesome. You're connected. Give me one moment, okay? Okay. Awesome. Go ahead and give me a give me a nice little sentence real quick. All right. I am here and I am talking to you. Awesome. Awesome. Can you hear everything from my end? Do I sound any far away? Is it like, um, no, you sound echoey or anything? No, you sound really good. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. I always have to double check just cause, um, I have the iPhone 10, so it doesn't have a headphone jack. Yeah. So I have to do everything from the phone mic. So I'm always surprised that the audio sounds decent. Yeah, um, it does. Yeah. I have I've a got the iPhone mic, 10 but... too. So yeah. Yeah. yeah so you, you understand. <laughs> oh yeah. I have a lav mic, but obviously I can't use it because I can't hear the yeah. other side. Um, awesome. Cool. So we'll just cut this out. Uh, I'll give it a 10 count or a five count and then we'll get started. Okay. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one, and we're live. Awesome. Welcome back to the Melancholic Condition. I have the amazing Patrick Harrington here. Patrick, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, um, well, I'm Patrick Harrington. I'm a I'm a podcaster like you. I have a podcast where we debate ghost stories. It's called oh, Ghost no Way. Really? Yeah, dude. I have okay. So I have a few on there. They're not my personal experiences, but I'd love to jump on and talk about. Um, okay, so before I guess we get into your introduction, how, are you familiar with 4chan? Uh, no. Okay, so 4chan is like this little board. It's like a it's like Reddit, right? But it's a okay. little bit more like. Uh, dark i guess there's a lot more there's categories on there that are just not the best but anyways when i was younger um i used to spend a lot of time on their um paranormal board and i used to just read all kinds of stories about like skinwalkers and all these like folklore stuff oh yeah i have a shadow people yeah yeah yeah. so i have a bunch of stories about like just things that i've read that used to scare me when i was young but i think it's always cool to bring it up but anyways go ahead go back yeah, well, I'm I'm the skeptic side of of our debate. So, okay. um, my uh, partner is a little bit more open minded than I am when it comes to ghost stories. So, uh, we we usually we usually don't agree. 
Uh-huh. Um, but that's fine. I mean, we do it in a in a nice way. We you know we allow each other a chance to get our points out, and then we let the listeners decide if they believe it's real or not. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you how long have you been doing podcasting? Oh, I've been doing podcasting for a while. I'm also the head of digital content at Memoriam Development, and okay. we we have a bunch of podcasts that come out. Um, they're all comedic based. I'm, I'm also an improv comedian. Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of improvised, um, podcasts. And then we also do like a sketch show, like a Saturday night live kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but it's more audio based. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. So for about three or four years or so, but I've been listening to podcasts forever now. Yeah. I've been on it for a pretty little minute as well. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry about that. My, I need to get some more coffee. This one's getting a little cold, so that was a little, little bit of a rough drink for me. Uh, um, I drink iced coffee, so that's that would be a bonus for me if it's getting right? cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, um, tell me a little bit of um, about your backstory. Kind of something that the things that we talked about off air. Yeah. Was, um, that really um, stood out to me was that you faced a lot of your anxiety problems throughout life without medication. Yeah. So I realized um, one day I was, I was signing up for uh, some, some college classes uh, as a, as um, an adult, you know, in my, in my late twenties or something. Um, Mm -hmm. And we uh, like, I went to go register and they said, make sure that you bring your class schedule with, because if you don't bring your class schedule with, we will not know what books to give you. Yeah. And so I was, I, you know, I drove there. I was really excited about it, but I realized when I got there that I had forgot that class list that they wanted me to bring. Oh, geez. And I sat in the parking lot and I literally freaked out. I mean, I was, I was so um, destructive to myself at that Mm -hmm. moment. You know, I was really feeling, all this pressure and all this anxiety. And that's when the realization hit me that, that I was having an anxiety attack. Yeah. And so I, um, I actually went into the school and I, I told them, I'm sorry, I forgot the class list. And they said it was no big deal. And they printed me out a new one and we were able to move forward. Mm -hmm. So I worried about all this for nothing. And that's when I realized that there were, there were some things wrong with my process of, of, of thinking of things. Yeah. And I started seeing a therapist and, um, you know, that helped in other areas. I would definitely say, so I, I, I don't think that therapists are, are bad or wrong. Uh, I, it just didn't work for the anxiety part of it. I needed mm-hmm. to change the way that I thought of things. Okay. So, yeah, I came up with like three rules for myself going forward mm-hmm. and what were they? yeah so the first rule was don't worry about things until i absolutely have to mm-hmm. so that was what i did a lot is i worried and i i would allow this to consume me and mm-hmm. most of the time when i worried about things they didn't actually happen so i spent all this time dealing with something that never actually happened yeah yeah and then so my second rule is don't worry about things that I have no control over. Okay, that's good. You know, there's some things that you don't. If you go to the doctor and you're getting a test or something, 
if you're going to worry about those results until you get the results and then they come back and they're negative for something, you've just spent all that time processing this and stressing yourself out when you didn't absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. When, when you have no control over that, once the test is taken, you have to wait. So I try my best not to worry about things that I do not have control over. Okay, that's good. What about yeah. the third one? The third one is if I do have some control over something that I try my best to make it better. So, okay. you know, if, if it's that I'm going to be late on my car note, I will do everything that I can possible to, to make the situation better so that I don't have to worry about it as much. Um, and like, I focus. Like, what do you, what are some of the things that you do? So I, I, I take baby steps. I, uh, you know, if I have a really big problem, I will do something every day to make that problem better. So it, it could be something very small. You know, if, mm-hmm. if I need to get a new job, uh, it might be that I'm going to take today and I'm going to research out new jobs. Okay. Therefore, I know that I am trying to. You're putting some in, kind of effort towards it. Yeah, I'm moving in the right direction, at least. It, it might be slow process, but I'm moving in that direction. Yeah, that's yeah. good, though. I mean, I don't <clears throat> to kind of dial back on. Um, excuse me. What you had said about uh, being able to. Kind of calm yourself down whenever you're in a situation that you can't control. Yeah, um, I think that's, you know, a huge factor in anxiety is we we tend to stress the most out about what is happening and what can I do to change this direction or something's already happened and I'm freaking out because now I'm barely realizing that I'm able I was able to do something about it and I didn't yeah. do you know what I mean and people tend to beat themselves up because I know I have the same issue especially whenever it comes to like when I've offended somebody I really oh, don't yeah. like making other people hurt you know what I mean I'm a, I try to be funny a lot and I try to be like, you know, witty, I guess sometimes, but there's, there always comes a time where like, I'm just, a lot of the times I don't guess I don't think too much whenever I say things and I'll uh-huh. just say it. And it's just like, cause that's the right answer to me, you yeah. know what I mean? But to the other person, they've transcribed this as like either aggression or, you know, um, some something that can be taken wrong you know what i mean like oh well he only said that because of this obviously it's the personal reflection of their own insecurities but it's still one of those things that just you know i forget to take it in consideration that other people have feelings so then yeah. once it gets to this point i'm just like oh wait i could have done this i could have said that you know what i mean i could have said it this way and then i just i'm just in my head just turning over you know what i mean well i mean I'm I'm Buddhist too. I became Buddhist after all oh, this. Okay. And the realization is is that we are we are all the same in a lot mm-hmm. of regards. We all we all fear. Okay. And we all we all want to be successful for ourselves and for our family. And and when you start thinking about that, it, it really puts things into perspective. When you think about the person that's bullying you or something, mm-hmm. if you try to if you try to put yourself into their shoes and like understand why they're doing it they're doing it because they they fear that they're not going to be approved by other people and that they um you know might get more friends if they bully you because it's going to make them look better they're just yeah. doing it wrong and you took one of the most important important steps in that regard is that you were aware 
mm-hmm. you know, you're aware that you can offend people sometimes. And that's, that's so important. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we try to blame others for, for our own problems. I remember one time I was um, going to a haunted house with a group of friends and we were taking different cars. Okay. And I remember it was raining that day. And so the roads were a little slick Mm -hmm. and the person, um, you know, drove out of the parking lot really fast. And I got very upset with this person because I, I tried to put a lot on this person. I was like, well, because you drove fast, you forced me to drive fast. Oh, which, it was the point yeah. of this game. Yeah, which in actuality, I mean, did the person make me drive fast? No, I chose to keep up with them. Yeah. And that was that was me. And I can't blame anybody else for my anxiety. I can only blame myself for processing it wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, that's crazy that you say processing it wrong, because the last episode that I recorded, um, it's not aired yet. Um, who was it with? Let me check my archive real quick. Okay. Um, let me see. Let me see. It's one of my drafts. I think it was. It was either Sam Neckerbacher or Asia Birdwell. Um, these are both podcasts. One of them, they're both life coaches. One of them is a woman's life coach, and the other one's like a wealth management coach um wow. type of guy. yeah no these are really great people I had a great conversation with them actually the conversation with sam went on for like two hours i was real surprised oh my but god it, i think it was with him i think it was with him we were talking about anxiety it was either that or it was with a it was the episode that i did before his that cut out so we had to reschedule uh-huh. after like yeah we, it was we recorded for like an hour and then um, for some reason, his service just cut out. And so it was like if you were starting to walk through a tunnel and I couldn't hear anything he was saying. So the last like 10 minutes was just shot. Oh, so we had to just, yeah, it was a mess. But anyways, we were talking about um, anxiety and excitement and the mm-hmm. neuronal pathways that your brain actually uses whenever both of these emotions come into tuition. Now, um, I can't remember where I heard it, but it was one of the things that changed my life for a long period of time was that anxiety and excitement are both the same thing. Yeah. It's just the way that you react to it. Like the neurons that fire in your brain, whenever they move around, whenever you're excited and whenever you have like some sort of anxiety, it's the same exact thing. The only thing that's different is the transcription of how you choose to feel. Absolutely. And that's a huge um I guess, point of reflection for me, because it's like, if you think about how you feel whenever certain things happen, whenever you hear, hear certain news, you subconsciously make these decisions. Okay. I'm going to feel like this. You know what I mean? Obviously you're like, I'm going to be mad. And then you're mad. It's not like that. It's more Mm -hmm. of a, that subconscious decision based off of, I guess, context clues. But to me, that's just really powerful. Like that you can have that kind of control over, okay, I know that something stressful is about to happen, but in like milliseconds, I'm going to choose not to let it overpower me. Definitely. And when you, when you think about it, uh, anxiety, actually, if you, if you put yourself in the perspective of a, of a primal man, uh-huh. anxiety served a purpose. It was our fight or flight kind of instinct, yeah. and it kept us alive. It was, it was what um, made us realize, hey, this you know, saber tooth tiger is coming after us. I, I haven't done research to actually find out if we were around at the same time, but 
that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, you know, I'll, yeah, the the TV makes it seem like right. Yeah, we were there anyway. So go ahead. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was that was our instinct to say well, something something bad's happening right now. We need to we need to run or we uh-huh. need to fight this thing. And that's, that's what kept us alive. So it, it is, it's actually a healthy emotion to have, but we have to manage how we deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And how and much power we I give think, it. Yeah. Um, I want to say, let me think. Maybe it was Blake Johns. I don't know. I think that was the one that messed up. <clears throat> we, um, let me try to. I'm trying to dial back to all the dude. I've been recording too much lately. Kind of set back because I try to put everything all in this like last week, like six, seven people. Wow! And it just kind of set me back. Um, so I, I forget who I had what conversations with. But we were talking about you know um, how anxiety can be a good thing if you just channel it yeah. and be able to kind of utilize it. Kind of like how you're saying, you know, um, it was a fight or flight response. Like, okay, am I choosing to run or am I able to overcome this dangerous situation? Right. I mean, and I think we needed that at that. Yeah. Time, and I, we still need it. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, I think yeah. we still very much need that because we have multitudes of situations, especially this day and age, you know, of outbreaks where people decide to impose a certain kind of power over you. Yeah. Whether, well, and it can be on any degree. It can be someone correcting you on how you do things or it can be like someone that had a bad day and they're at your job getting in your face you know what i mean that type of anxiety in my opinion i mean maybe it's not anxiety maybe it's more of a critical thought process but you're able to use that like okay what are the next things that's going to happen for me yeah if i make this decision what's going to and i think that's just maybe that's just me because how i think is you know based on my childhood i had a very very abusive uh father Uh, it it was like my stepdad pretty much but i was adopted so anyways a lot of the times i had to watch these situations play out and watch people get hit and decide in in milliseconds in my head like okay think about what's going to happen if you act out of anger and you try to fight back what else is going to happen is he going to hit someone because you know you can't you can't fight for them is he going to hit you because you can't fight for yourself is you know what i mean so i have this very very critical thought process of like all the and I think that's a lot of where my anxiety stems from is just having to assuming that there's so many outcomes of something and freaking out about it. You know what I mean? Wow, that's powerful. But uh, you know, I'm I'm really sorry that you had to go through oh, that no. to learn these. Don't be lessons. sorry, man. It's, yeah, no, no, no. I, I if I didn't go through half of the things I went through as a kid, I guarantee you, I wouldn't have had the. Um, willpower to do anything that i'm doing this podcast may not even be a thing you know what i mean yeah because i was i was pretty much bullied by my little brother's father my whole childhood every time that i would tell my mom or them you know something that i wanted to do um he was a very traditional mexican so like if it didn't align with his values i was like i was gay for it or i was dumb for it you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like so things like that but because of those experiences i would thought to myself like okay well i don't care what people say well you know what i mean the people that mean the most to me didn't back me up so now i don't have anyone else to go and prove this to so i'm gonna do it for me you yeah know what I'm saying? well not to um excuse his actions because his actions were wrong you know he, of course he definitely took the wrong actions but what do you think made him into that person that he was see and that's the thing is he probably in my opinion had some 
internal issues, some things that, you know, I mean, there's a lot that goes on that I've, I could tell you off air, but because I don't know who's listening. Yeah. uh, um, There's, there's some stories that I know that I could share with you that like kind of didn't give him, give me, given an excuse of why he acts the certain way he did, but it kind of made things a little bit more clear. It explains that a little bit. Yeah. I I really believe that all of us could be, you know, that, that evil villain or whatever, if, Mm -hmm. if, these certain situations occurred to us now it might take more for me to be pushed over the edge to be that person but it is possible and to think that way it it really it really made me stop hating people you know i i pity people sometimes and that's i i i feel bad about that i mean i shouldn't pity people but i when i look at these people that have done horrible things i i start to think you know it's possible for any one of us to to be that person if these steps happened and if we had the right mixture of mental illness and upbringing, you know, we could we could be that person. Yeah. Um, so a lot of I, mean, I bring I say this every time and it's becoming a little bit comical now. But um, my last like six episodes, I've probably brought this up. This book that I'm reading called Millionaire Success Habits by Dean Graziosi. Mm. Um, it's a really good book. And basically what his little, uh, his book is based around is as a kid, you know, he had a really rough childhood, him and like a bunch of siblings shared this house and they were always poor and, you know, his family, they did everything they could to make ends meet, but it just wasn't ever enough because of how many people there was in the house and how small the house was, you know, this, it was a really rough upbringing and he talks about, you know, as he got older, he started looking at the 1% of the world and saying, okay, there's something that they're doing, like these habits, these people have that are different than what we're doing. What are mm. these people doing with themselves, with their lives, with their choices? You know what I mean? That's making them the person that they are. That's making them wealthy. That's giving them the liberty to be able to do whatever they want with their life. And so he wrote this book called Millionaire Success Habits. And in chapter five, I think, well, five, six, and seven, it's the villain the hero and your story so Mm. the first one the your story chapter talks about like what version of your story are you telling yourself you know just as you said it's easy to become the villain because we dwell on the negative aspects of our own life but you tell yourself that positive story of like you know so the kind of aspects that he said was take in fact someone that is raising a child they're working minimum wage but they're trying their hardest always putting in overtime they have a second part-time job and they always make sure that you know their kid eats but maybe sometimes they don't maybe sometimes mornings are stressful because they're tied between jobs and they're not getting that much sleep so this person can tell themselves two stories one you know i'm a piece of shit father my kid is always he never gets to see me you know i'm always gone at work i'm, I'm always too tired to do things for him Or you can tell yourself the more positive side of, okay, I'm a great father. I'm working two jobs to feed my son. He always has a place to um, sleep and he always has food. You know what I mean? These are two very. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to look at things. Yeah. So, I mean, they're two very contrasting perspectives. But I think that at the very same time, you know, I shouldn't say but because that kind of interjects my previous statement. I would say in conclusion or in addition um 
these will make you out to be who you are, you know, mm. the things that you dwell on yourself, the things that you tell yourself about yourself feed either. And this goes back to the hero and the villain. If you tell yourself, you know, I'm this, I'm that, I'm so unhappy with myself because I'm always doing this and you're focusing on these bad things, you know what I mean? Um, it's like, and this is something that Sam Knickerbocker talked, even though he is very based around wealth management, I would say he has some psychological per- perspectives to himself, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because he has, you know, he helps people transform their lives. And before it even gets down to money, it talks about, or he talks about getting to know the person first. And that's a, that's a psychological trait. So what he talks about in something that I've also brought up in the previous episodes is affirmations, you know? Oh yeah. What are you, what are you telling yourself in the morning guys in, you know, in Buddhist religions, your prayer beads are similar to affirmations, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and I, I do practice on uh, daily affirmations. I, I, I do them a little different though. I okay. will write out a goal and usually uh-huh. I'll do it on like a business card or something. For some reason, that's got more power to me. So Writing I will down. write out a specific goal and I will carry okay. that with me every day. And I will look at that every day. And just seeing my handwriting, writing, you know, that I am going to be successful in this or whatever it is, <laughs> it really has a power that I, I don't think that we've really tapped into as a society nowadays. Um it really, it, it really changes your mindset. You know, it's crazy. Um, one of my earlier episodes, um, what's his name? Uh, Matt Labrie. Matt Mm. Labrie is a guy, he's an entrepreneur. He worked with alongside with Damon Johnson from Shark Tank. Okay. Um, in this guy, I guess he went to, he goes to a lot of like Tony Tony Robbins, um, Ah. things. He goes around the world and just, he's like a motivational speaker and entrepreneur. Um, this guy's great. He's really cool. But he told me that exact same thing that you just said, everything down to the T is something that he learned from Tony Robbins. Yeah. That or it was either Tony Robbins or Damon John. Um, that basically whenever you're trying to make something happen and transform add a milestone to your life, what you do is you write it down and you say it to yourself as you like, as you wrote it down, you kind of look at it, like you said, throughout the day, throughout the week, you can do a 30, 60, 90 if you want, mm-hmm. but you just, you know, Look at it, look at it, look at it, and constantly tell it to yourself. Like, okay, I'm doing this. But you do it in, like you said, like an affirmation type way. I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool just because it's it's really interesting how many different people that I get on this show that are from vastly different parts of the United States or even the world that have similar practices. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I was going to bring up, um, have you ever heard the Rise podcast? No, I haven't. It's uh, Rachel Rachel Hollis. She's an author. She wrote a, a book called uh, Girl, Wash Your Face. Uh-huh. And um, that book transformed her life. She, she became really successful with that book. She was actually a fiction author until she wrote that. And this is like a self-help book as well. I, uh-huh. I have not read that book, so I really can't speak for it. But I do love her podcast. And she was talking about Tony Tony Robbins. And um, how how she went to his seminar and that was a milestone in her life because he um, he you know, it was that big seminar that he does where it costs thousands of dollars and you're there multiple yeah. days. The one that they have the documentary about. Uh-huh. And um, so she was asked um, what or 
who were you as a child and and who was your who was the person that you wanted to please the most like your mother mm-hmm. or your father mm-hmm. and what did you have to do to please that person and those things together made her realize that she was always a people pleaser that she always felt like she needed to do more to please this person but then be able to turn it off and um be quiet and be silent i i I think she said that her father um was one of those kind of people that um believed that children should be should be uh seen and not heard you know Mm -hmm. those kind of things but he wanted uh her to be successful so that he could brag about her and uh it just transformed her life to realize that and that she is still that person today and needs to check that every once in a while and say, you know, I, I don't need to please everybody. I need to please me. I, I need to do this because I want to do this, not because yeah. somebody else wants me to do it. I think that's one of the biggest pitfalls, I guess, even in my relationship, too. Yeah. There's like, I'll do things in my life. And I'm like, well, you know what? My girlfriend would love me for this. So I do, you know what I mean? And I like, I yearn, even though I know without a doubt that she loves me with all of her heart. Yeah. You know what I mean? I still have this like, and I think that's where it might come from as well. You know, yeah, wanting to have that sense of approval for other people. So the ones dearest to us, we like, okay, well, I'm going to do this for them because I know they'll, they'll like me for it. Even though, even though we know they like us because they're still around, obviously. It's just, it's one of those weird things, but I just followed Rachel Hollis on Instagram. I'm like, have you, have you, um, have you talked to her at all? Or is she like, no, no, I haven't. I'm just a, I'm just a fan of her, of her podcast. I'm going to send her an email. Yeah, she is amazing. She, <laughs> she's very motivational. She focuses more on, on women. Uh-huh. Um, but, I mean, I still gain from listening to her podcast as a oh, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure you have. I mean, there's, not to interrupt you, but no. there's um, uh, a few people um, on my podcast on the 4th, I believe. Asia Burwell, how I mentioned her earlier. Mm-hmm. She's... um. A confidence coach for women and she works based on like around style around like you know how is you how are you dressing and how is the your outward reflection um or outward perception affecting your inner reflection wow yeah so i mean she she was very very powerful i've heard i've heard and then there's another um girl that's based around women i believe it was the episode that i just put out um mary joe van horn yeah mary joe van horn is a confidence life coach for women specifically women yeah now she helps a lot of men too but her client base is around women you know what i mean i think that's so important i mean women have been oppressed for many many generations i mean since the dawn of time and yeah it's time that women realize that that they have power and that their voice means something And um, I'm seeing this transformation that's just so amazing. Um, You know, my girlfriend, she's she's an amazing woman and I've never dated anyone like her. I I've gone through my whole life um, in a in a pattern. Uh I've always dated a certain kind of woman. And I did that because I have this thing like, a you know, like a white knight syndrome Uh where I want to fix things. 
I want, yeah, of course. I want someone that has problems and that's issues. That's a natural reaction as a man, though, isn't it? I like, think to kind so. Kind of be able to be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come in and fix this situation where yeah. you know, I get, whether it be from paying for it or helping you with this. I think that's a natural um, man's characteristic. I do. But anyways, I, go on. I think so too. But you know, when I when I started dating this girl, I, um, she's not at all like my pattern. She is not, Uh she is not that same person. She, I mean, she has issues. We all do, but she, she's very empowered to be able to fix her own problems. Uh And, um, she has been, she's been amazing to me in my life. I, I don't know how I lived without her because, um, she is my true partner. And that's what I've always been searching for was a partner, someone to, to share things with. Someone to, you know, be a 50-50 partner. When she's sad, I'm sad. When she's mad, I'm mad, you know, to some degree. And I've always searched for that, but never found it because I was I was living this life in this pattern of of dating broken women broken that needed people. to be fixed. Yeah. And I've always associated with that too, so that I could be the one to fix them. Can I ask you something like personal? Yeah, if you feel absolutely. like you don't want to answer it, don't answer it. But um do you believe, do you think that um, your relationship with your parents may have uh, influenced that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so my father died when I was uh, 13 years old and my father was my, was my best friend. I uh-huh. mean, he was, he was Batman and I was Robin. That's how yeah, we lived yeah. life. And, you know, it really messed me up when he died um, beyond, beyond what I could even I, I could even speak or comprehend. And my mother died when I was 25. So oh my goodness. Yeah. In that time, now, me and my mother, you know, we, we were, we were very similar people. Um, and we butted heads a lot. And mm-hmm. um, that, that definitely caused me to, to search out people that I could fix, that I could be this, this, this amazing person for it you know mm-hmm. we all have a vision of who we are and i want to believe i'm a good good person and yeah, this of course this added to that belief because i'm fixing people mm-hmm. and it all yeah it's all because of my mother and my father yeah definitely it's wild yeah i have a um, similar i think i don't know I, I think i have this natural inclination to try to solve problems because of the abuse that I watched my mom go through. Mm. So like I have this very, I think that's where some of my um, pitfalls come down to, you know what I mean? Because like something goes wrong immediately because even as a kid, and this is the most, the craziest thing ever, but my mom, like up when I was like eight, eight years old, she used to pull me aside and ask me how to deal with her problems. You uh. know what I mean? She used to, and it wasn't a bad thing because she knew that I was, that I, I, I was smart, you know what I mean? You were woke. Very, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> quote, unquote. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she just knew I had this very logistical way of solving all my problems, yeah. even as a kid. For some reason, I was just like that. And so whenever she would ask me questions, I would kind of take in all facts. I'm like, okay, well, what's happening? You know what I mean? But my problem is now is like, I don't know if it's like, because I did that so much now, even in my own, it reflects in my personal relationship as like, as a pitfall kind yeah. of i would assume just because like whenever we get in little hiccups i forget to 
consider and be sympathetic. I just try to logistically look at both sides. Yeah. And so that's like, so I, I mean, I, I understand that. And even, you know, I haven't had very much relationships because I guess as a kid of how I watched my mom go through things and, you know, stick with someone that she loved, but they yeah. just tore the fuck out of her. I would, I didn't really have relationships when I was younger. Man, now, that I'm only be so hard, so hard on you. Um, yes. To watch no, your mother man. go I mean, through that. That's, man. It would make me mad. Really. Yeah. It just, you know, as a, as a kid. And the thing is, is it, it wasn't a personal thing for me. I mean, besides like it being my own mom. Yeah. But it wasn't a personal thing for me because the guy wasn't my real dad. Yeah. It's my little brother's dad. So at that point, by the time I was like 11 or 12, it was, okay, what is Joe Blow about to do? Mm. Are we going to fight again? You know what I mean? It wasn't me like being cynical, like, oh my God, I'm scared of my dad. It was me saying, okay, well, if this happens, you know, I'm, I have these plans today, but if anything happens, then this was going to happen. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. an anxiety. It wasn't, um, a hatred type thing, but it was a, it was a realization. It was, it was, it was, was kind of like, yeah, I, I, I would assume it's similar and I don't want to even, you know, if there's any military people out there that are listening, I don't want to, you know, discredit or relate to military like war, but I assume it's similar to what it's like to be a soldier, right? You're on base and you don't know, like you have plans for your day, but at any given moment, you know, you could be called out. You have to go. Oh yeah. So that's, that's what I assume it's maybe like for me. Hmm. Um, and so that dealing with that, it just made me real logistical as a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, but the thing is, is like, I can't bring any of that up if we are ever arguing. Right. And if my girlfriend's like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? I can't bring that up because she's had an equally um abusive childhood uh, she's had a very rough upbringing you know what i mean so like besides you know for me it was a mom and her three boys trying to get through this rough situation for her she had more siblings and a very different situation you know what i mean her whole family was very um traditional mexican hmm. you know what i mean and not to put everything out on the table about her but she um she, she has a similar upbringing. We'll just leave it at sure. that. So whenever we get in these arguments, we try our best to like leave our past out of it and kind of, and you know, I, I don't really blame anything as far as my future for how my, um, for as far as like, you know, how I was treated and stuff. I believe that, you know, it really made me who I am today and it kind of gave me a tenacity to do whatever I needed to do, regardless of how hard it gets. Yeah. And it gave you a compassion for, yeah. for people. I mean, that's, Oh yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. You know, that out of something so bad, something so good can come out of it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, with your mother, I mean, it, it's the realization that you love somebody, but love isn't everything. Yeah. And that sometimes, you, you know, you still have to leave. Yeah. And that's man, that's a really, really hard thing to to process when you're going through it. I've I've been in some abusive relationships as well. And, um, you know, a lot of controlling and mm -hmm. and um, it, it took me a while. There's a there's a pattern of abuse that we that that people that have been abused follow. And and it's this circular thing. And it makes no sense to somebody outside looking in. It makes no sense that a woman that's been hit by a man and leaves will go back to that man. Yeah. It makes no sense. But to them, that's all that they know. And that's all that they 
they can, um, that's all that they can do. They, they just, they just don't realize that they're, that they're reliving the same moment over and over and over again. What I kind of relate it to is, um, what I can relate that to, I guess, to kind of, if anyone's in that situation, I guess, this is something I kind of do a lot. You know, anytime one of my guests or myself bring up an issue, I like to try to add some clarity as to how to get through it Mm -hmm. in as best as I possibly can. So one of the things that um, with that situation, as far as being abused, being disrespected, being, um, you know, in violent domestic situations, whether it be emotionally or physically, um, I read this book whenever I was like 17. It was called How to Get Out of Your Own Way by Tyrese Gibson. Okay. Um, Tyrese Gibson, the guy from Fast and Furious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he is actually really like I know most of the characters that he plays in Fast and Furious are like very like little dumb witty dude but this guy's really smart mm. and so a lot of he grew up in like a, a ghetto and he ended up launching his music career because he used to just walk around the block and just sing I guess and one of his neighbors just loved it and someone caught him from like Coca-Cola and he sang for one of the first he was one of the first black kids that sang for um or African-American children, sorry, mm. that um, sang for one of the Coca-Cola commercials back in the day. So that kind of launched his career in music, then he got into acting and so on and so on. But in his book, he talked about how to, like, avoid this disrespect from people is to set a boundary line. He And he related it to, you know, girls in high school whenever they talk about you know having sex for the first time mm-hmm. you know know where your train stops know where your boundary line is but if you allow that boundary line to get even one person if you let anybody cross that boundary line of how much respect you're gonna di- or disrespect you're gonna take or allow yourself to receive um it's it's th- that boundary line gets dropped for everybody oh yeah yeah it, so if, if i that say boundary I'm not- line even further then yeah, and yeah. Not, even though you only let one person disrespect you, and this may be like a person that you love, and maybe you're thinking, okay, well, it won't happen again. This will happen for until you reestablish that boundary line for everybody because that's yeah. that, now the new boundary line. You know what I mean? Now everybody can has a chance to disrespect you like that. And majority of the time, he said that, and you know, I haven't read this book in a few years, so I may be butchering it, but he basically said that um, – you will react differently once you establish that new boundary line. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If if you let someone that you love treat you terribly, majority of the time, if someone else treats you terribly, you may not react the same as you did before. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a very powerful book. And so anyways, he just talks about, you know, it's a self-confidence book and kind of a motivational book, but it's it's very relative. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. that I, I'm definitely going to check that out. That sounds really yeah. cool. And I read it, I think, in the, you know, the beginning just because I – I, as a young individual, you know, I started studying psychology when I was like 16 Mm. and human behavior. And so once I I got through those little books, you know, it's all self studies or whatever. Yeah. um, I would just pick up new books and just like, okay, well, what's this book about? And I'd read reviews on them like, oh, well, this one says that their son that was young was able to find some motivation in the book. So I go and read it. You know what I mean? And now I have at this point just tons of books just sitting here and it's it's weird for me because i need to hold myself a little bit more accountable but i don't read as often as i used to yeah neither do i i listen to a lot of audiobooks though um i just i just do not have the 
actual time to be able to do it. And I hate to use time as an excuse because Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if it was really important to me, I would find time, but yeah, you know, it's, um, life is just hectic sometimes. And, uh, it's really hard to stop everything and to pick up a book and to read it, even though that might be the answer that might be the solution to getting out of that hectic life. Um, but I love self-help books. I love, um, trying to better myself. I, I make it a goal for myself to become a better person each day than I was the day before. Interesting. Because that's, do you have any, that's all I can do is, um, is be a better person than yesterday. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it's something that I've noticed a lot of like, I guess more successful people have, and I'm not talking about as far as like you know, money success. I'm just talking about, you know, your definition of success. A lot of people have these morning rituals. Do you have any of them? Yeah. Um, I, I usually have, if if you're comfortable sharing it. Yeah, I'm definitely comfortable sharing it. I have a pretty long commute into work and, uh, what I find very valuable is to take 10 minutes out of my day and just tune out, just, be present in that moment and, you know, allow myself to feel whatever I feel, allow myself to hear whatever sounds going there, because we are, we as a people are, are, are drifting away from being mindful and mindful is, is really important. It, it really, um, it could solve a lot of our everyday problems. If we were just mindful, you know, you said that, um, in the beginning that, you know, you sometimes offend people and you don't, you don't mean to. Well, mindful is putting yourself in that moment and being able to, to process it as it's happening. So therefore that would happen less, less often. And it's, and it's not necessarily your fault that you're offending people because people are, um, decide to be offended a lot of times, you know, they decide what you say is offensive because they're not, they're not looking at your intent. So I, mm-hmm. I take like 10 minutes out of my day and I usually do this in the morning and I, you know, as a Buddhist, I will uh, meditate, but it doesn't even need to be meditation. It just needs to be mindful moments. It's, it's very, it's very helpful. And since I've done that, I have found that the rest of my day goes a lot better. Um, I've used apps like, you know, Headspace and stuff mm-hmm. like that for meditation. Have you used the Calm app? Yeah, I have. Yeah, actually, I have that on my phone right now. Uh, I don't use it as much as I should. I, I prefer to do it my own way now. Um, Of course, your own practices are what's going to be more beneficial for you rather than like a one card fits all type thing, right? Well, yeah. And, And I'm also Zen Buddhist. So Zen Buddhist have this thing where when we meditate, um, oftentimes we will stare at a wall, a blank wall. Yeah, because we don't want anything to to change what we're feeling. And it's all about mm-hmm. the body and the mind and allowing yourself to put yourself into check for a little bit and to to just experience. And it sounds like something so, so silly, but I mean, turning off the radio, you know, just chilling out for 10 minutes makes such a big difference. Do you ever use any um, bounding balls? Uh, no, not really. I, I don't really have that much of an issue with um, getting myself into 
into the mindset of just letting go. Uh, whereas a lot of people do, I, I, I've never had that issue, but, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm able to snap my fingers and pretty much let go. Get in your zone. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. I have a few sets of boating balls. That's the reason why I asked. Yeah, I've seen them and I've I, I've known people that have used them and they work for them very well because they could focus on something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just for me, I just don't necessarily have that need. Um, Do you think that's cheating? No. Now that I think about it, no, like no, be, being able all. to focus on something else rather than being able to have the mental fortitude to pull yourself out of the situation in, uh, mentally? No. Not at all. I don't think okay, that whatever it takes to get into that, to get into that moment, that's uh-huh. all that you need. And no, there's no, there's no cheating. There's, there's nothing like that. Uh, and you, you have to remember that the things that you learn in there, you can never unlearn them, but you can stop listening to them. Uh, there was a, there was a Zen master. His name was Dogen. Uh-huh. And, um, Dogen was, um, you know, he told a story of somebody that was going to a Zen master and, you know, he said to him one day, he said, you know, my head's really cloudy and I don't think that there's any way I could become enlightened. And the Zen master said, don't worry, that'll pass. And then the next day he went to him and said, you know what? I found enlightenment. I am totally ready for everything and the zen master said don't worry that'll pass (laughs) yeah because because what happens today we need to we need to grow this we need to you know yes okay you might have reached level 10 in a game but you need to reach level 11 you need to you need to keep expanding upon that you need to keep pushing those boundaries and you're never you're never done yeah we need to grow as, as people and not stay the same. We need to constantly change. Without change, there's there's essentially death. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, that's crazy. How long have you been practicing uh, Buddhism? Uh, you know, I just looked at a time hop the other day, and it's been seven years. Oh, my goodness. Um, but, you know, I was always kind of zen before that i was always interested in the concept of it i just that was the first time i went to a a um like a like a temple and actually learned learned how to do things right i learned how to meditate their way um i you know and i i thought it was funny that i'm staring at a wall when there's this beautiful (laughs) altar if i turned around and looked at it it's beautiful they had like a nice flower on it it was very zen looking like bamboo and all this stuff and um but no you were to look at a wall interesting yeah and i mean i'll tell you when when we would meditate it was Mm -hmm. usually for like a half hour and um that half hour was excruciating like painful to your body because you because you're sitting in the same position the whole Mm -hmm. entire time and i remember one time um when i was very new to this i um after the the meditation we would stand up turn around and you know face the face the speaker of the day and they would go through what they call zazen which was you know like a like a spiritual talk more just like a 
just like an awakening kind of thing where you where they talk about some issues in a different way than what you're used to. Mm-hmm. And um, I I stood up and I fell over. Really? Yeah. And I'm a big guy, too. So, um, the, you know, is that common. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I didn't see anybody else uh, falling over. <laughs> um, so I fell because, I mean, my my legs fell asleep. Yeah. And I remember the uh, teacher coming over to help me. And I'm a big guy. And he he was not. He was like half the size of me. And he's wearing these robes and stuff. And he's trying to help me. And I'm just picturing as he's helping me, I'm going to pull this guy over. And um, yeah, he's in robes and I, yeah. he probably isn't wearing much underneath these robes. So <laughs> I was, I was a little scared for him, but uh, yeah, it's, it physically hurt me uh, to do it. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. There's something about, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's always, at least from what I've been seeing publicized, there's something about pain and, um, and monks right like something about like being able to control the pain yeah there's there's some there's some monks that would do that uh you know the the teacher that i had talked about Mm -hmm. um when he was learning and he was he was in a temple where there were flies okay and um oh man i bet that was fun yeah so he had to sit there and the flies would land on his face and just had to not get annoyed yeah he had to just wow. let them let them be there that's crazy yeah i want to do it <laughs> i don't want to do that i yeah that's but, the biggest test right there though wouldn't it be um like that's a huge test of being able to have real patience yeah sure flies are annoying but i mean i guess i'm kind of thinking outside the box like that's something you can't control a fly landing on your pace no right? you can't so if you're no. in a situation and you're irritable (laughs) this could be a practice that i mean i know it's a pretty extreme practice but this could be a practice that would teach you okay not to get annoyed at the things that other people do that you can't control yeah i was gonna say it's actually more of a gift um not that i would want to receive this gift anytime soon but it's Mm -hmm. more of a gift um that because when they're in meditation now it's not the kind of meditation that we think about in our society we think about meditation you know you might see a vision you might you might hear something you might you know it's like a very spiritual thing it it is Mm -hmm. absolutely not that when it comes to zen buddhism it's about nothing really it's literally about nothing and it's about feeling what you feel so Another reason why I fell over at that time, it kind of relates to the fly thing, because um, I I would often shift and they taught us ways that we could shift where it doesn't really affect you as much, where it doesn't bring you out of the meditation and it doesn't bring people around you out of the meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, But what they talked about is experiencing whatever your body is telling you, you know, if you. If you feel like your neck hurts, well, okay, doesn't mean you have to move your neck. It means you could totally explore what that what that feels like and totally see how your body processes that. And so the fly, it's about processing what that what that would feel like to have that fly on your nose or wherever it's at. Um, the, um, but yeah, the they, last... didn't, they didn't make us do it, though. Okay. That's, I mean, it's still, it's still a cool practice. Um, what I was going to kind of bring up as far as, like you said, the pain, um, this, the last person or the last episode that I released, 
with Mary Jo Van Horn. She's very like she talks about transcendental uh, meditation. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that. And she, you know, one of the things that she brought up was um, pain in your body. Mm -hmm. She says that like a huge thing with like your mental fortitude would be how your body has pain. And obviously, besides health defects, she did bring up diseases, which I'm not too sure if I'm I agree with. But there is some truth in what she said. She said, basically, whenever we're feeling disease or pain or something like that, that she believes that it is your body showing to you, expressing to you that you're thinking like untrue thoughts. Hmm. It's very interesting, which I think to some degree that could be true. But then obviously, like, for instance, right now I have a cavity that I've been ignoring for a while and my jaw is starting to hurt. So I feel like that's probably just me um, dealing with a cavity. Yeah, I don't know if that has anything <laughs> to do with anything else. You know but, what I'm saying? Yeah. But other, other, but to some degree, I, I do believe that could be, you know, um, very uh, truthful just in senses of like anxiety, you know, yeah. um, my little brother or even just depression. Because my little brother used to tell me about whenever he'd get depressed after one of his bigger breakups that he'd wake up and throw up. Wow. His stomach would be hurting like bad because he was just like so heartbroken by the situation that he would just, he'd be thrown up all the time. He'd be have a loss of appetite because his stomach, he'd have the worst morning sickness. And then, um, but to kind of move on, um, when I, what I wanted to ask you earlier about as far as like your affirmations that you, you know, you take your time, you mm-hmm. do your meditations and stuff like that. Um, the other day I actually did this for the first time, like for real, like I always tell myself like, okay, I'm going to do this. But for the first time I really took the first 20 minutes of my day, I woke up at five and, and maybe this is because I also went and worked out, but for the first 20 minutes, I, I stood up and I sat in my bed and I just sat there and I was like, okay, well, who am I? Mm. Instead of telling myself, like, I'm happy, I'm, I kind of let myself answer. I reflected, you know what I mean? I said, who am I? You know, what, what am I, am I okay? Like what needs to, what needs to happen? And why, why do I feel like there needs to be a change in myself? You know, am I hurting other people when in my relationship, am I, am I this, this person that's really doing these bad things or am I just overreacting? And it kind of gave me a little sense of clarity. Like, dude, you need to chill out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, but it was weird because it wasn't like me trying to force myself to be happy. It was me like actually answering my questions, like real concerns that I had with myself. And um, what it kind of gave the rest of the day, it was like this, I mean, not to, if you don't feel like answering this, um, and that's fine. But have you ever smoked marijuana? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, whenever you're coming, coming, <coughs> coming down mm-hmm. from, you know, a weed high, you feel this like kind of bliss, right? Yeah. That's how it felt for the whole day. Wow. I kid you not, man. Like I was like, just, I felt like I was high. You know what I mean? Well, that's, like, I, that's how I feel when I do meditation. Uh, I feel this, this tingling feeling throughout my whole body for the rest of the day or at least mm-hmm. hours after I've done it. Yeah. And that's why I continue to do it. Um, and, you know, asking yourself, who am I really? I mean, that is such an important question. And even old, old cultures, um, like, like some pagan cultures and stuff, they would, they would um, change their names sometimes because names have so much power in them. Mm-hmm. That if they wanted to be stronger, they would give themselves a stronger name. 
And that would that would affect them in such a way that they felt stronger and therefore they were stronger. We we're all about our our emotions. We're all about our feelings towards ourselves and asking yourself who you are truly and asking yourself those important questions. You know, do I need to change? How can I change Um, that? That is that's very much what meditation is. It's mm-hmm. focusing on those little things. I mean, the Zen meditation is more about being blank and and experiencing it. But that's what you achieve out of that is yeah. being able to achieve, you know, the understanding of self and how important is self to you? How important is this image of who you are to you? And what are you willing to do for that image, both good and bad? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. What would you do to protect it? What would you do to mm-hmm. preserve it? You know, there and, was, um, and is it really worth it then? There was, I don't know where I heard this, but there was um, a quote. It may have been something that I heard like on like David Goggins. Are you familiar with him? Yeah. Okay. So I think it may have been something that I, I heard him say, but it kind of related to that. Like, you know, whenever it comes to change, he's like, you know, he's doing it you have to make every decision in your life as if your life depends on it. He's like, because it does, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, whether you want to lose weight, whether you want to, you know, be stronger, whether, you know, you want to be a better person. He's like, you have to calcify your mind into putting all of that, all your energy as if you're about to die into making that change. Hmm. And of course, you know, he's a Navy SEAL. So this guy's gritty. This guy is a tough mother, but, um, but yeah, man, you know, um, I think that a lot of people are, and this is something I've brought up in the past, but I think a lot of people are just scared of themselves. I think a lot of people don't like, you know, you look around the world and you see a lot of other people becoming successful and you think to yourself, stupid, I could do that. Right. But you don't, Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't. Okay. Well, what else is, what else is stupid that other people have done? Or what is a stupid thing that someone hasn't done yet? If they're thinking in terms of, stupid you know what i mean i think a lot of people don't really if it comes to success or whatever it is that you see somebody doing in life i think not many people have the realization to say okay you know that maybe that was that person's passion yeah that person wanted to do that thing and it worked out for them because that was their thing and not many people really want to look into themselves and be like okay well what's my thing yeah well, why am i here well, what am i doing here I'm I'm just I'm working right now. You know what I mean? And I don't think and I, I refer to uh Gary V sometimes whenever he talks about time. Um the understanding of time. Have you heard of Gary Vaynerchuk? No. Okay, Gary Vaynerchuk is this entrepreneur. He was an immigrant, um, he came from Germany, I believe, hmm. and worked in a wine shop from whenever he was like thirteen until he was eighteen, and then when he was eighteen he went from working from the basement you know, doing all the back stock and stuff like that to working upstairs, selling the wine, getting to know it. And then um, from my understanding, I probably butchering this, he, the internet came around whenever he was in his twenties and he put his dad's wine business online. It was one of the first wine businesses and it blew up. And so he kind of knew, noticed, being able to notice these changes. Right. And his biggest, one of his bigger, I guess, mantras you could say is he, he's an, advocate of time he talks Mm. about people being 20 and freaking out about their future he said you need that time you have 10 years to 
be a like for me i'm a teller at a at a bank mm-hmm. um and i just got a second job you know i'm doing this just to kind of secure a future for me and my girlfriend because by the end of the year we're planning on making some big changes but um you know she's going to school so i feel like it's my responsibility to make sure i'm putting this into fruition but he talks about you know do as much as you can even if you're doing the wrong thing for 10 years you can be 30 and turn around and be like okay well i'm gonna do this now absolutely you you know what I mean? it just takes work and takes determination but absolutely you can i you know i um i used to work for a for a blood bank uh-huh and um i was a phlebotomist i was the person that that drew your blood Mm-hmm. And I worked for that blood bank for five years, and then I moved on to another blood bank. And I really gave myself a lot of props for having five years of experience when I went into this blood bank. And I thought I was better than I was at my job. Mm-hmm. And then they, after about a year, they called me into the office and they said, hey, uh, we, we're probably going to have to let you go because your statistics are not are not high enough you miss the vein really? too much yeah absolutely and they said is there anything we could do to to help you and i i couldn't think of anything so i told them no and i told them i would work on it and 3 months later they called me in again and they said your statistics are still low and i you know they said again we're gonna probably have to let you go if they don't get better in the next couple of months well i um i I don't know exactly what it was but i remember a rep from the from the um people that sold us the blood bags that we used which have the needle attached to them came out and he was at a blood drive i was at and he uh he was talking to me and he uh, he said, so, you know, where are you from? And I told him I used to work for this other blood bank. And he said, oh, you guys had those other blood bags and you probably had a problem when you came on board here with. And then he got called away. So that answer I was looking for right there was was pulled away from me. And I thought, well, I'll talk to him again. And I never saw him again. Wow. Yeah. And um, the interesting thing was that just knowing that it wasn't just me necessarily, that it was there was some difference in the blood bag made me retrain myself how to do my job. And the next month, I didn't Is miss it a because single you, vein. You heard about the problem? Yeah. Like you heard that there was a problem. So you started looking for one? Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't even know what it was, but I just, you but know. But you tried to find about like something that was an issue right you're like okay well what could have been an issue in this scenario i don't know if i tried to find what the problem was or if i just uh, relaxed a little bit at that moment and because you knew that there was an issue yeah because i knew that there was something that That was out of your control yeah and okay and so all of a sudden i had a hundred percent month the next month i didn't miss a single vein which was rare um and it happened for three months in a row Mm -hmm. and then I um, was with the company for probably about six more months after that. And then I became a um, then I became what they call a senior phlebotomist. Mm -hmm. So that was a little bit more money. And from there, I became a team leader where I was running my own blood drives. And from there, I became a trainer 
So I was wow. training people how to do what I had an issue with originally. And mm-hmm. I use that story in every training class because what it made me realize is that what I am today, hardly anybody's going to remember that in 10, in 10 years. So yeah. if I make mistakes, that's okay. That's okay that you make mistakes. Nobody's going to focus on that later on. But you can change yourself. You can become better. And you will if you just allow it. Just allow it to happen. I agree. I agree. Well, I'm getting close to um, close to the end of this episode. I have right. someone else that is going to be coming on here in the next couple minutes or so. Is there any last messages you want to um, – share with the listeners, Patrick? Uh, you know, actually, I just wanted to thank you for letting me come on your podcast. Uh, it's amazing. I, I really, I, I'm, I'm really happy that, that you invited me on here. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Anybody and everybody that has something to say, man, I want to give people a voice. Awesome. You know, it's starting out small now, but you know, hopefully in the future it, uh, it pays off. Oh, it definitely will for you, man. <laughs> hey man. Um, I had a wonderful time talking with you. Um, I really do want to get kind of to know a little bit more about um, your practices, man. That's something that I've, I've always been really intrigued on. I've always been drawn towards like um, Zen for some reason. Cool. Um, Japanese practices. Yeah. That's the first one of the very, very first books I ever bought myself was um, the Tao Te Ching. Mm. And that's and it's weird. I was like four, 15, dude. I, found, I was in a Hastings back whenever they were still around. And I found it and I was like, mm, stands out to me. I like it. And then I grabbed it. It was a smaller one. And then, you know, I always had like, I have these little scrolls with, you know, the Japanese on them in my rooms and I bought the bowing balls and it, I don't know why, yeah. I don't know why, I don't know why I've never, I don't know really much about it, but it's something that's always, I've been drawn to. Well, it's so, a philosophy. Um, it's not, it's not a religion. So yeah, yeah whatever religion you have, you can still have that and, and have a philosophy. And these are just tools that are on your belt. Yeah. You know, awesome. Well, man, reach out to me and um, give me some deets. I'd be interested to all right to learn to learn some more. Um, do you have any social media or anything that if there's folks on here that want to kind of reach out to you, do you want to share with that? Yeah, any websites or anything. Absolutely. Oh, and your podcast, and your podcast. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you could you could find me on ghostlypodcast.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook fan page, which is Ghostly Podcast. Um, and we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. And if you want to reach out to me in, in, in particular, uh, on Facebook, I'm halls of Avalon. So you'll see Patrick Harrington come up if you put facebook.com slash halls of Avalon and, um, in all social media I'm on. Halls of what is it? Halls of Avalon, H A L L S O F A V. A L O N. Awesome. I'm just looking up everything you had said. All right. Cool. All right, Patrick. Well, thank you so much again for um, jumping on the show, brother. All right. It was thank a great you. I'm talking with you. All right, man. All right. Bye. Thank you, folks. Hopefully, you've had an amazing time listening to this podcast. If you could do me a huge favor, I have a few questions to ask. One, if you'd like to support this podcast, go to anchor.fm forward slash melancholy condition there's a button on there that allows you to support just a dollar a month to help the future episodes of this uh, podcast progress secondly 
whatever platform that you're listening to this podcast on, do me a huge favor and just give it a rating. If you wanted to give it a five star, great. If you wanted to give it a one star, even better. If you want to just go ahead and tell me everything that I'm doing wrong or everything that I'm doing right, I would absolutely love it. Just anything helps. And second, thirdly, if you have anybody that you'd like to send this podcast to, anybody that you think this episode particularly or any other episodes they may benefit from, do that and just share it with them. Thank you so much.